right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Crypto 101 podcast. I am unfortunately not joined by my co-host, my notorious compadre, Mr. Aaron Malone today. He is uh, he is MIA. And no, he is not actually in the MIA where a lot of the other folks are in Miami. Um, he was supposed to be there, but believe it or not, uh, his flights got canceled. So he got uh, hunkered down here in California and he's just He's just hanging it up. He's hanging up the Jordans and he's really bummed out. So I'm not sure what he's up to today. He wishes he was in Miami, but regardless, we are joined by a fantastic guest here on the podcast today, Um, a specialist, a product specialist, the product lead at IBC, uh, Charlie Faye. Uh, Welcome to the Crypto 101 podcast. Thanks. It's quite an introduction. I, I hope that I can live up to it. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we're going to have a lot of fun. Um, and you've been focused on all sorts of different aspects of the Cosmos ecosystem. And we've been uh, we've been big fans of Cosmos and the Atom token here at Crypto 101 for a long time. But before we dive into all that stuff, let's just get acquainted and, and, and tell the audience a little bit about your background um, and how you found yourself, you know, building products in the crypto sphere. Yeah, so um, I'll apologize in advance because it's a little bit of a convoluted story, um, which I, I think is probably the case for a lot of people here. Exactly. Nobody has yeah, a straight and um, narrow path. No, no one studied crypto in school, you know, majored in crypto and then got a job. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I what I what I did study in school, though, I studied political science. Um, my my aim was kind of always to go to law school and uh, work as a lawyer. Um, actually, it was to work in refugee law, kind of immigration law. Um, I, I did some work there in university and found out that just emotionally and psychologically was like not something I could sustainably work in. I think I still wanted to work in law, was really interested in at the time also open source and kind of like open source copyright, open source software. So um, I started um, by getting a master's in intellectual property law, and uh, that took me over to Europe. Um, and what I realized is after leaving my job that I could actually get a job um, as legal counsel for Intel. So I did that um, in the Munich office for a year and a half, realized that working as a lawyer was not the same as studying law. Um, and I realized at that time, you know, crypto law hadn't really started yet. And so the working in law was just not as dynamic of a field. Um, and I really wanted something that was that was a lot more vibrant or lively. I wanted to make have the feeling that I was able to kind of like see the effects of my work um, before my eyes. And so I left law. Um, I learned how to code. And luckily enough, um, I was I was living in Berlin at the time. And Berlin, as I guess a lot of you know, is, is one of the major hubs of crypto. I was always interested in crypto, I think, um, but because of my background, more from a political viewpoint, um, also from a personal viewpoint, living in Europe, you know, constantly sending money back to the U.S. to pay off student loans or do whatever. It was just like one of those things where I felt like it really made, uh, you know, like it made sense to me. But then also politically, I really thought that this narrative of having a interconnected global borderless uh, world was something that I really believed in um, just for a while. So I think it was a confluence of a lot of different factors that brought me into crypto. Um, I think working in crypto has has hit all those sweet spots I talked about, about working on something I believe in and working something that's that's really moving at a pace that um, makes me happy. So yeah, that's, that's awesome. And, and and really well explained. And, and I guess my next question kind of is how did you kind of hone in on the Cosmos ecosystem on IBC? And I know, um, I, you know, you mentioned 
your Berlin base and Interchain is, uh, you know, very, very big German presence. Was it, was it that, or was there something specific about maybe the ethos of Cosmos that really attracted you? Yeah, it was both because prior to joining Cosmos, I actually worked in the Ethereum space for a few years as an engineer. Um, I was working on a DeFi product called uh, Centrifuge. Oh, and, wow. Yeah. And um, I think it was a very good experience. Like I, I love the Ethereum ecosystem and I, I think the ethos there is also really great. Um, what I didn't like so much was working on a DeFi application in the sense of that as an engineer, I felt like you know, like I think DeFi is a really important application of crypto, but as an engineer, I really had the feeling that I was doing a lot of financial engineering and not really like this kind of like nuts and bolts, like infrastructure building that I really wanted to get my hands on. Um, so I knew one of the Cosmos ecosystem um, like leaders, uh, Billy Renekamp, he's the hub project lead. And I knew him just from running into each other at meetups and kind of speaking in, in the Berlin scene. Um, and I obviously knew of Cosmos about IVC and Tendermint. I think they're two of the most battle-tested protocols and interoperability and you know consensus that exists in like the entire stack across crypto. So uh, when he offered me the chance to join the team, I was definitely really stoked. Yeah. And I, I'm really happy that I was able to join IVC because I think um, as someone who is interested in kind of like very important base level infrastructure, which really pushes the frontier of crypto forward, I think IBC is really that. Yeah. And, and, and IBC for everyone who's kind of wondering, they're like, wait, I've never heard this term. I, I own Cosmos tokens, but I don't know what IBC is. It's inner blockchain communication. And this Tendermint is the sort of shared consensus protocol through through all sorts. So we'll dive into those from like a little technical perspective a little bit more. But I think one of the things we should clear out of the way first is the difference between Ethereum and, and Cosmos, because a lot of people are very familiar with, you know, the DeFi applications. Oh, I could go, I could yield farm on this and, uh, or, oh, I could, uh, you know, have this AMM sort of decentralized exchange. Um, and and they're, they're all built on smart contracts, but, but Cosmos is a fundamentally different architecture. Could you kind of walk us through just like some of the differences there? Yeah, um, so I think one of the biggest differences is you can think about Ethereum as its own platform. So you have all of these applications which are launching on Ethereum. They obviously have their own tokens, but underneath all of them, what you're paying for gas, uh, gas fees is, is the Ethereum token. Um, and, that's all, and that's all because all of these applications are running kind of on the same machine. So there's good and bad things about that. On the one hand, you know, you can have immediate, if you launch an application on Ethereum, you can have immediate access to all of these other applications. You can very easily, you know, communicate from one to another. You can, for example, yield farm, move your tokens from that yield farming into another liquidity pool, et cetera. Like it's all kind of straightforward because it's all on Ethereum. Um, on Cosmos, the, uh, I guess I should talk about the trade-off. The trade-off there is obviously, you know, the, the cost of that, like financially, I, I think we all know it just, it's, it's expect, very expensive to transact on Ethereum. The gas and a lot of that nuts. gas fees, yeah, gas fees are nuts. And the reason that they're nuts is because the machine that everyone is trying to operate on, the more people try to operate on that machine, the more gas or the more expensive it's necessarily going to be, the more work that machine has to do. So in Cosmos, the, the founders of Cosmos, um, Jay and Ethan Buckman, they kind of saw this problem coming in 2016. And so they wanted to create a different design where not every single application had to launch on the same machine, but each application could have its own machine. And so the idea that 
each let let's say your yield farming application or your your DeFi product is going to have its own machine, and then that machine can interact through something like IBC, the Inter Blockchain Communication Protocol, to another machine which handles its own specific uh, work that it's doing, and you can basically specialize or you can uh, build a specialized machine which is super customized for your product so that it doesn't cost as much, and then just use the uh, value generated from your machine and uh, and have a transaction with another machine. That's kind of like more of the model I think Cosmos is geared towards. And yeah, it's, and it's kind of funny because I think in 2016, the initial thesis that Ethan and Jay had, um, you know, with, with having self-owned machines with their own consensus and, and connecting to each other through interoperability protocols. And it's, it's what we see now. I mean, like what they saw in the past, that kind of crazy premonition years ago, it's kind of what is now, I think, the mainstream narrative. Totally. And, and it really was uh, very prescient because back then in 2016, right? I mean, that was the first year that I was in crypto and people didn't know if there was going to be a multi-chain world. People were like, oh, it's just going to be Bitcoin. That was like probably the, the majority of people were like, it's just going to be a single chain world. And then on the fringe, you had guys like Jay and Ethan and all sorts of different people that are like, no, it's going to be a multi-chain world and started to build um, you know, the Lightning Network and all these different side chains and layer twos. And um, you know, Polkadot kind of came up around that time. And then all of a sudden, now we have this multi-chain world where, you know, Cosmos is now at the center of it. Um, and many, 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 many different applications are built on it and secured by it. In fact, one of the most popular uh, smart contract platforms, Terra Luna, uh, is dependent upon Cosmos. And so could you kind of talk about the relationship between Cosmos as kind of like that layer zero and how something like Luna or the Terra ecosystem leverages it? Yeah, I mean, I think Terra is a really great example because I think for Terra, you know, when they were starting, the the value proposition for them for cause from Cosmos, which is I think the reason why they chose Cosmos, is that you know they could use the Cosmos SDK. So Terra is a Cosmos SDK chain. Um, they're built using this uh, blockchain toolkit that the Cosmos funding that the Cosmos ecosystem builds and the ICF funds. Um, and then their consensus protocol is Tendermint, this kind of engine that we mentioned before. Um, but what they were able to do with that is have all of these tools that they needed to build a blockchain that really was powerful for them and their use cases, but they didn't have to buy, you know, they didn't have to buy like a whole bunch of this X number of token um, in order to get it. And so they could get, they could build a really powerful platform and have everything on their own terms and then use something like IBC to connect to other blockchains where, where other blockchains can then be exposed to products built on Terra and vice versa. Um, I think what has inevitably happened alongside of that, though, is that the value of Atom, which is the, the Cosmos token, has, has risen. Um, and I think this is, interestingly enough, a lot of, a lot of questions that, uh, that we get is how is, the, how is the value of Atom being linked to kind of like all of this growth in the Cosmos ecosystem? Um, and I think you can kind of see what, what's been doing in that the Atom value has been tracking uh, the value of the Cosmos ecosystem since it was launched in 2017. I think we saw it gain a dramatic amount of value over the last year. And I don't think that was an accident because I think in my opinion, it really has a lot to do with 
IBC, the Stargate upgrade, and just the accrual of value across all of these interoperable blockchains. You know, Terra is huge. Crypto.com is also a Cosmos chain. Osmosis is also a Cosmos chain. Uh, believe it or not, Binance is also a Cosmos chain. Um, so I think it's it's just that the fact that the Atom is one of the most liquid tokens in the Cosmos ecosystem, it's the most liquid trading pair on Osmosis, it's going to be the most secure zone with the largest and most secure validator set. So when we have upcoming features like interchain staking, interchain security, interchain accounts, um, I think you'll really see this whole like thesis of what does interoperability mean on a large scale and how much value that can generate just flourish. Yeah, it's it's dizzying to think about how big this can really get. And like just in, you know, I was telling my fiance just uh, a moment ago before I hopped on this interview, I was like, you know what's funny is that in March 2020, remember that day I woke up. And we were down 50% on our Bitcoin overnight. You remember that? She's like, yeah, yeah, that was crazy. I was like, Tezos was $1. Cosmos was $1. Now, fast forward, you know, two years, Cosmos is $40. Tezos is $4. There's a 10x differential. And that to me was just so telling of like, you know, you know, there, there's so much development on the Cosmos network with, with you know, I, I saw you know, 250 applications and services and, yeah. and growing um, tell us a little bit more about, you know, you mentioned Osmosis, which is one of the, the, the most, I mean, it is the most liquid DEX on, on Cosmos. What are some other apps that, you know, listeners should kind of go check out that you think might be promising or interesting? Um, uh, anything that kind of uh, is unique to, to Cosmos? I mean, I think uh, one of I, it, I think it depends a lot on what um, people are interested in. So I think like one of the one of the nice things about the Cosmos ecosystem is that because it is so easy to to spin up your own chain and uh, chain and hook in, there are there's just a huge diversity of products that are available. So I mean, on the DeFi bucket, which which you kind of started with, um, you know, Osmosis and Terra are kind of the big ones, but I think you're going to start to see a lot of NFT marketplaces pop up um, in the next few months. I know there's already several in the in the Terra ecosystem, but there will be uh, NFT specific marketplaces that are popping up. Um, Pylons is one that I have off the top of my head. Stargaze. I think there's generally like as NFTs grow, um, and I think this is also another difference for between Ethereum and Cosmos is that these marketplaces or these NFT products are their own chains. And so it's it's not so much that you need to depend on liquidity from another chain to kind of fuel these NFTs. It's like, okay, this NFT is actually its own chain and therefore it can it can be used more powerfully. I think programmable NFTs is, is a huge aspect which we're gonna see coming up. Um, on the more social goods uh, common side, which I think is very integral to the ethos of Cosmos, um, Regen and like, uh, carbon credit um, uh, uh, financing has always been one of the leading uh, supporters of the Cosmos SDK. They've put a lot of work there, but I think uh, their product is also going to flourish and uh, get larger. Um, and then as well, the kind of more infrastructural level things like the smart contracting platforms, um, Agoric with Run Protocol, um, Juno and it's kind of smart contract network. So I think, yeah, across the board, there are a lot of different ways that people could participate in the Cosmos ecosystem. So after peaking at $68,000 in mid-November, Bitcoin has dropped by roughly 40%. So no one said flying the DeFi flag was going to be easy. But what if I told you that your portfolio might be overweight in Bitcoin? Uh, in fact, you might also want to consider 
diversifying into other alternative assets, perhaps like blue chip art. In some cases, actually, paintings have seen appreciation similar to crypto over the long term. For instance, a Picasso painting recently sold for $103 million uh, at an auction, and that's a 1,400% increase from its original price at auction. And now there's a new platform that lets you invest in paintings like that uh, without needing to be a gazillionaire. Uh, And over 310,000 investors have signed up. And just the other day, they had a $7.4 million Banksy painting that sold out in under three hours. Now I've partnered with this platform and and got you all priority access to their newest paintings. And so all you got to do is log on to masterworks.io slash crypto 101. Again, that's masterworks.io slash crypto 101. Again, masterworks.io slash crypto 101. And you can check out all the uh, the good stuff they got on their platform. So uh, I want you guys as well to see the important disclosures that are at masterworks.io slash disclaimer. And we're also going to link to those in the show notes. And now I kind of want to harken back to a company you mentioned mentioned that you worked for prior, uh, Centrifuge, or a foundation <laughs> or whatever um, project. And um, I'm curious about um, kind of like the application of real world assets. I think this is going to be a trend um, where like these real world assets kind of get married to to the blockchain through these NFTs and stuff. Are there any projects that are kind of working on something similar to Centrifuge on Cosmos? Um, so I think in in terms of the specific like there's not a centrifuge chain as in I would I don't think there's a chain that's like tokenizing NFTs but I do know that there are projects being launched on a chain called. Hey guys, TiVo here to tell you about the Ufi Video Lock, a smart lock, a 2K camera, and a doorbell all in one. That's right, three in one for triple the security. It's easy to install. All you need is a Phillips screwdriver, no drilling required. It gives you keyless entry, so no more fumbling your keys when you have your hands full coming back from the grocery store. No more worry about the kids losing a house key. No more worry about a guest losing the house key or forgetting the passcode on your door. And for Airbnbers, it's a no-brainer as you can change the passcode at will between renters. It has available fingerprint recognition and it has AI self-learning chips. So the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You will have no anxiety with the battery charging. It is a rechargeable battery and it lasts around four months. But don't worry, when it's low, it'll give you plenty of weeks notice. And also, it always comes with a physical key as a backup. There's no monthly fee, unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee to get your backup recording. They're always recorded locally and you will always have access. Customer support for the Eufy Video Lock is 24-7, so you don't have to worry about any issues you have, and it comes with an 18-month warranty. What I love about this product is it is truly all-in-one. With the three-in-one, you don't have to go out and buy multiple parts. It's all in this package with the Eufy Video Lock. So if you're interested in learning more, go on Amazon and search Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock. Again, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Eufy Video Lock. Get complete control over your front door. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. 
Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ethmos, um, which is basically the um, Cosmos SDK, like a Cosmos SDK setup that has Ethereum virtual machine integrated in it. And so what that actually means is that you can actually write Solidity smart contracts directly on a Cosmos SDK chain. So you can kind of like use all of the existing tooling built by Ethereum um, and launch it on a Cosmos SDK chain. And I know on Ethmos, there's a lot of, because there's so much of uh, these types of projects uh, in the Ethereum space that people are starting to port over these types of projects and build it on Evmos um, just because they don't have to, they can do the same things, but you know, where it takes 50 cents to mint an NFT on, on Centrifuge, it'll take, you know, like 0.05 cents to mint it on Evmos. So I think, yeah, that's probably the direction that's going to go. I like that. Now, now kind of switching gears a little bit, Given the tough competition between existing networks that are vying for dominance, what do you think is the most, I guess, effective way to incentivize collaboration between um, teams and projects? Um, I actually think, I think collaboration has proven its own incentives, actually. Mm -hmm. Like, I know that, I know that there is this kind of zero-sum belief when we talk about a market. Like, I think mm-hmm. that when we talk about, uh, when we talk about, like, let's say, you know, like selling your tokens in a market, there is this kind of like understanding that if someone buys my token, that means they won't buy your token. But I actually don't think that that is necessarily true in a world that has very uh, that has a very interoperable and very composable set of uh, blockchain applications. And so what I mean is that um, like in this in the Ethereum application sense, you kind of need to build the entire flow of your application in order to tr- control like the entire flow of value because uh, you you want the value to kind of circulate in your application and and have your token price rise. Mm-hmm. But I think in Cosmos, your, their understanding there is that your application can be part of a distributed business process in the same way that uh, different producers or suppliers are part of a larger supply chain. And so what you're participating in is not like, no one is trying to, uh, no one is gonna say, oh, I don't wanna work on my part of supply chain because that's good. like your part of supply chain is gonna come. It's like, no, we're all working on different parts of the supply chain. And ultimately the value capture in the entire supply chain is what benefits all of us. So I think, 
that is the ethos and kind of um, also technical possibility that Cosmos ecosystem brings. Yeah, and like in the same way that there's like liquidity mining on Ethereum where, you know, new projects incentivize usage and adoption by giving rewards. Um, is there something similar in the Cosmos ecosystem? Yeah, I think the uh, Cosmos airdrops are pretty famous right now just because there have been a lot of airdrops where if you hold one token, you get airdrops from another. I think the reason for that is is kind of just what I went through is that people recognize that uh, composability is really powerful and this kind of shared sense of service is something that'll that'll benefit a lot of projects and so concretely I guess what I'm talking about is in the cosmos ecosystem is something like um, we have a project like sommelier which uh, does a lot of liquidity pool kind of investments on the ethereum side they kind of they work with uniswap smart contracts and then on and put cosmos assets there um, they're not connected right now through osmosis but with something like um, interchain accounts through IBC, they will directly be able to take the value that's generated in similar pools and then do reinvestments in Osmosis liquidity pools. And so that almost creates a new service offering that benefits both similar and Osmosis. It's kind of like a supply chain that's that's been that's been extended now. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you'll and then that's why they're kind of like the people who hold Osmo and the people who hold similar are, are happy when they both succeed you know yeah it's just, yeah it's, it all works together it's uh it's much more of an altruistic sort of environment i would say i mean i don't i don't even know if i'd call it altruistic it's like you're still getting the, the monetary benefit like token price still go up you know but it's more <laughs> just like uh it's more just like it's it's not as much of a zero-sum game very well said is there a future where polka dot and cosmos ever talk to each other yeah, actually, it's funny you <laughs> mentioned that. There are two uh, in progress, two different substrate light clients that will connect mm. um, the Cosmos, that will connect Cosmos IBC to uh, basically the Kusama or Polkadot setup. So um, I think we'll see the first of those completing the, I think we'll probably see the early versions released potentially even at the end of this quarter, but by quarter two for sure. Nice. Now, now, what do you kind of think about, I, I saw this recently, and since you're, you know, you're on the tech development side, um, and you see a lot of these flows, I saw something that said in 2021, there was three times the amount of job postings for blockchain devs and crypto job postings than there was just general tech industry. So are you seeing a massive increase in interest from like, traditional web developers saying, okay, crypto and blockchain and NFTs, these are now something that I want to kind of get my hands on, or, or is this just kind of headlines? Uh, I definitely see it. I think um, when we, when you look at our hiring pipelines, they've also gotten, I think just like the, the number of people who apply, but also the, the types of people who apply have definitely, mm-hmm. it's definitely like aligned to what you just said, for sure. Um, nice. I would add that I think it seems that people are interested in technology, obviously, but I also think that it's something about the ethos that that draws them here. Because I think working in the space, um, you're working with a lot of really smart people who care about what we do. But also, I think there are a lot of people who understand that we are uh, that, you know, like people are autonomous. People kind of have their own. They want to make a difference in what they work on. And so 
a lot of people are coming from maybe bigger, more hierarchical kind of rigid organizations where they're a little bit constrained in their jobs. And I think crypto gives them, or working in the crypto industry gives them the freedom to push that envelope a little bit and say, okay, what do I really want from my job? Like, what do I want to work on? I could not agree more. I think crypto caters to this, like, you know, working in crypto just caters to this new distributed sort of work from remotely wherever sort of environment. Um, yeah, and crypto is just being, um, you know, just being the benefactor of that sort of trend, I would say. Um, now, one question, like switching gears a bit, you know, is, is what what clear gaps still exist in the industry? Like for, uh, on your day to day, like what gets in your way? Is it a certain regulation? Is it a certain lack of data standard? I mean, there's there's a million and one things that we need in this burgeoning industry. But from your perspective, what's like super crucial this year? Um, I think like lack of clear regulation um, is obviously a big one. It affects everything from how we finance ourselves to what kind of products mm. we feel like we can build. Mm. Um, I think another thing, though, is um, probably the like whenever you look at it on a product level, I think it's um, it's the usability aspect. So I think crypto as a whole is still very much focused on infrastructure. I mean, I myself am, am one of these people. Um, and I think the biggest obstacle to kind of mass adoption um, and to bringing these kind of worlds into fruition is really uh, having more work done on usability. And I guess that that comes from the crypto side, but I think also from, from the other side, it's like, I don't wanna say it's, a, it's an onus on anyone, like it's onus on us to educate other people. But I think a lot of people, um, don't maybe they they buy into to a narrative and then they don't really dig a little bit further like okay what is behind that narrative and what am I actually you know what token am I am I actually buying and so I just like I I like to encourage people to kind of also do a little bit more education on the technical aspects of crypto and rather just than the the currency or kind of like tokenization aspect. No, that's that's fantastic. Now, now Charlie, before I kind of move into a couple closing questions. Um, is there anything I missed? Is there anything that you really would like to highlight about IBC, Interchain, maybe ICF, Cosmos ecosystem, anything that's on the roadmap, anything that you're excited about building upcoming announcements, anything, any questions I should have asked that I totally missed? Um, um, yeah, I mean, maybe just to highlight that, I think over the course of this past year, we've been doing a lot of, um, I would say, consolidation and organization of different features we've been working on over the last few years. Um, and so the roadmap ahead is going to be really exciting. So I would just uh, I would just kind of point users to look out for three different features specifically coming from uh, IBC and the Cosmos Hub. So that would be, I mentioned these before actually, but I can just quickly sketch out a little bit what those would be and what yeah, they would involve. Um, yeah, so the first is interchain staking. Um, so for those people who are familiar or are not are familiar as uh, staking is, is kind of the process where you take your token and you delegate it to the validator of a chain and you say, here, I vouch for you that you are validating for this chain and therefore whenever the validator gets rewards for securing the chain, then you also get a portion of those rewards. Um, what that actually means, I mean, obviously in the positive, you get part of the rewards. On the negative, it means that your token is effectively locked up. Um, so you can't really move it around while you're staking to a validator. Um, but what we want to do is enable um, something like staking 
that you can you can basically stake on a chain, but then you would be able to get staking derivative tokens from that. And that allows you to stake across multiple chains and have this kind of like more liquid staking format, uh, which, which will basically enable you to maximize your assets. Um, this obviously requires the chains to be able to communicate with each other. And that's where this interoperability protocol aspect comes in. But I think it'll make it a lot more powerful as a token holder. Um, you can really maximize the value of your tokens. Um, the second one is interchain security. And this is to do with chains who want to launch, but let's say don't want to do the political effort of organizing a bunch of validators to run their nodes. Um, offerings from chains like the Hub, who has already a large validator group, means that uh, interchain security means that the Hub would be able to basically lease its security to chains who, who want to focus their dev efforts on the products and maybe not on running a validator set. Wow, so that's really cool. It, it, it's like, um, you know, there's so many crypto projects that are out there that like, you know, they're application developers or, but they're not crypto specialists. And so exactly. being able to kind of, uh, you know, get a vendor basically to do the, the hard stuff for you, you just focus on the application and then boom, you got yourself a crypto project. Yeah, it's kind of like hooking into, I guess the Web3 model would be like hooking into Amazon Web Services and getting mm. the service done by them rather than having to do all of that yourself. You can just focus on writing that. Um, wow. Yeah, and the, the last one is Interchain Accounts, which I'm personally really excited for because it's being pushed by the IBC team. But basically what it means is that um, right now we still have blockchains that are kind of interacting within their own chain, you know, and then through, they make a transfer to another chain, either through a token or NFT or something else. Um, but interchain accounts enables kind of this use case that I talked about before, where you can think about blockchains more like like each blockchain is no longer a whole e like it is its own ecosystem, but it can also be like one smart contract co uh, in a larger smart contract ecosystem, or like one part of a supply chain connecting to another part of a supply chain. So, in the same way that if you have two smart contracts in a in a um, Solidity product and they can basically call between each other, you would have the same where you have like let's say a token which is being generated on Similia and directly you can kind of transact that token into Osmosis and you don't have to first like ship the token, open an account Osmosis, ship it to that account on Osmosis and then use your Osmosis account to do something else. Right, there's so no kind of like wrapping. Yeah, and kind of from a wallet point of view, for example, like you would just need one, like let's say one account on Similia and then Similia chain will have accounts on Osmosis that can do all the interactions you need to do with Osmosis so that mm. as a user, you don't need to like do all the hard work of carrying your tokens around and opening it's a abstraction layer. Yeah, exactly. Wow, that's fantastic. There's a, a whole lot more than I actually even know knew going on uh, behind the scenes. And, you know, I'm, <laughs> you know, full disclosure, a big Adam holder um, and my affiliates are as well. And, and, and we're really bullish on this entire ecosystem. Um, so Charlie, thank you so much for, for coming on. Uh, before we let you go, we, we just have a couple questions that we like to ask every guest. And, and this is just a real simple, you know, uh, you know, for, for those of us who are listening and it's our first time listening to a crypto podcast, our minds are blown. We're just like, whoa, what just happened? What did I listen to? I thought I was going to learn how to trade. And I just learned about technical uh, stuff. What, what do you tell these people that is, you know, the very first time listening to a crypto podcast, just a word of wisdom from an OG in the space? Um, yeah, I would say that it's honestly a skill to separate the signal from the noise. Like I would say, if you're feeling overwhelmed or confused, you are not alone. And <laughs> I am still there all the time. You know, everyone who works in crypto, I think has those moments where we're like, wow, what is happening? My Twitter feed has just exploded over the last 
sick days. Um, but I think that um, it's a skill that that you just get from kind of exposing yourself to um, to more informed maybe not informed is not the right word, but I, I would say like, this is kind of what I was saying before, like digging a little bit under the narratives of, of some of what people are saying on Twitter, you know, more than like, meets oh. the eye. Exactly. Like if this token price is going out, it's like, why maybe like educate. And then the more you kind of understand about these uh, transactions and what, and what's actually happening behind the scene, the more you can understand, okay, this is signal or this is noise. Um, but it takes time. It's honestly, yeah, it's we're, yeah, it's we're still day. all getting our uh, our research kind of tools sharpened day by day. Exactly. So you are not alone. <laughs> <laughs> and then then last one, um, we always just like to ask, like of, of one other person that you kind of want to give a shout out to, maybe someone we should follow on Twitter that you like or someone whose work you've been inspired by or someone you admire. Yeah, Um <laughs> a tough question and you could you could rattle off a couple if you want (laughs) yeah um I guess maybe I guess maybe my choice would be it's a little bit to do with my own personal journey of Mm -hmm. of of getting into cosmos maybe specifically but um when I first joined the cosmos ecosystem from ethereum I I was very overwhelmed by you know a lot of new entities new technology I didn't I didn't know what I should focus on and kind of one of the people that gave me a lot of mentorship at that time was um, the guy who's now leading FMOS, um, Federico, at that time, he was a core developer at ICF, where I now work. Um, and I remember he was really busy with, I mean, he was one of the core IBC developers, but he, he kind of made a lot of time for me to introduce me to that ecosystem um, and to make sure that I had some tools to separate the signal from the noise. And I think FMOS, of course, is a, is a really great project, you know, but I think also personally, um, I, I think people like Federico, there are many of them in the Cosmos ecosystem. I think it's one of one of the ecosystem that has the most, you know, Zachy Mannion, Jack Zamplin, Ethan Frey, like Dean Tribble from Agoric, like Billy Ranacam. I could go on and on, honestly, but I think there is a great environment of camaraderie and support in the ecosystem. Um, Fede was, you know, number one for me, but I've been helped by all of the people that I just mentioned and many, many more that I probably, I should mention, but I just didn't have them on the top of my head <laughs> no I second you about uh Jack he's been on the podcast before so all of you listeners who like this go back check out uh Jack Zamplin's podcast and also um shout out to Tessray Nearson who uh was on the podcast as well uh you know she talked a little bit about uh consensus algorithms and stuff so if you guys are interested in the cosmos ecosystem go back on the crypto 101 uh podcast list go listen to those um and without further ado charlie um we'll talk to you soon uh when there's some big more updates uh we'll bring you back on great thanks so much thanks for having me you bet take care this is the story of the one as head of maintenance at a concert hall he knows the show must always go on that's why he works behind the scenes ensuring every light is working the hvac is humming and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.